Retro Rebel Gamecast, episode 60, is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every Thursday, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. What is up? Hello. Congratulations Not on... much, Manning. Well, on the big win. Yeah, England, clean sheet, through to the semifinals of the World Cup. Woo-hoo. Pretty big. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I know uh, anything less than that is a is an utter failure and disappointment for that country. <laughs> so. Well, we usually don't do very well, so. Well, we didn't make it, so yeah, that's where we are. Uh, we've been watching, in fact, I think we've just <laughs> pretended like it's not a big deal in the United States right now. It's like, eh. World Cup's not that big a deal. It's not like just, you know, the other 80% of the population on this planet is is worried about it and completely invested, even if their country <laughs> didn't make it. Yeah, well, it's been a tough year for a lot of good teams. Like, Italy didn't qualify. Germany's out. Argentina's out. Like, all the good teams are out. So Maradona yeah, almost died it's... of a heart attack just for celebrating. <laughs> well, these things happen, you know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It is. Well, just celebrating and being a fan of football or soccer is uh, is dangerous in and of itself. I mean, I do. I've seen the hooligans in the documentaries. Okay, so I know what happens. Well, are, that's why they facts. don't. That's why they don't let us have any alcohol anymore in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't know, so. but that is awesome. Um, well, so what's been going on? What have you been playing? Well, uh, I haven't been playing much, to be honest. Uh, sorry, I just realized we left the TV on outside. <laughs> we were watching it outside in the garden. Sweet. And I thought, oh, maybe we don't need to leave that on. Um, no, I haven't been playing much. Um, I did, however, just install Far Cry 5, which nice. you raved about and said that it was very good. So... It um, is. Yeah. I'm definitely going to start playing that uh, this weekend at some point. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I didn't get much chance to play much. Played a little Hearthstone. Um, and, and that's about it, really. Me and my brother beat a way out together. So, now I'd like to talk about uh, that. It's very let's, interesting. I'd like to talk about that and talk about some spoilers. Um, but we'll, we'll address that later. Well,. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. How old is this game? I have no idea. Uh, it's not real old. It's a few months. Um, uh, but uh, but I well, I already know kind of some things. I've ruined it for myself. So. Uh, well, I I would say the the last twenty minutes are quite tense because you go from cooperative to opponents right. on a shared screen environment so that wasn't exactly fair because my brother is much better at spatial awareness so he was just looking at my screen so i couldn't sneak up it on him right which is just cheating (laughs) i mean that's like that's cheating but i mean you there's nothing you can do in a co-op experience like that so yeah no he 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 won (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I wasn't sure that there could be winners and losers. I just, I saw, you know, there, I, yeah. Um, I kind of know, I kind of know the twist. Uh, it's a game I wanted to play, but I was never going to. I just won't have time. So I went ahead and ruined it for myself. And by ruining it, I mean, I just kind of figured out what the story was and went and watched uh, a few videos on it. It's definitely up there in a game that I would love to play, um, and and maybe I will someday. But I didn't. I I wasn't worried about it being ruined for me. It seems like it's a pretty kind of. I mean, I I think that's kind of a cool twist, but it sucks. 
at the same time, if that makes sense. It's like discouraging if you're playing it. I mean, I think it would be like a punch in the stomach. Yeah, well, I think the the one good part about cooperative play is that, you know, everybody contributes to the success. The downside when it went to combatant play so I didn't really have a chance so evil won this day evil won the day I know well that's that stinks um, well uh, so for me I've actually been playing um, playing a lot uh, for a father of three and with a newborn um, yeah. I did finish Detroit become human um and uh really i mean it's a great game i loved it i thought that um the ending i did not get the best ending i got a good ending i guess i i I think there's i think there's like 35 different endings as i was finding out there's like 35 or 40 different endings um without spoiling anything on this game i did make it to the end with all three of the main characters alive um I did lose some of the uh, support characters that you get along the way, uh, you know, without ruining anything. Um, you know, I, I, I did get I did get that, but because I lost some of the support characters, I didn't get the actual, you know, best ending uh, quote. But well, who cares what the best ending is? The best ending is the one that's the result of the choices you made. Well, I, and, and if that's I never kinda, like yeah. to replay the endings. Oh, I won't. I, I won't. just want to see the other side. And I, and I won't replay it, but I will go watch it. And I just kind of want to see what happens if I made this other choice. Because there's one choice late in the game. I was fortunate because I made a lot of choices that I thought that the characters would make that just ended up leading to all three of them living. But there's one choice that kind of goes against it, it, it. If I was playing it as the characters, strictly speaking, survival, selfishly, I think I would have made the choice that saved the character. However, I chose to make a choice that I thought reflected how the character had played all game. And because of that, it doomed the support characters. So, and I don't know to what extent, but anyway, I mean, it was like, this is, this is like the good Samaritan thing to do. This is the, this is kind of the, the jacked up thing to do. And I did the good Samaritan thing and definitely paid for it. Um, but you know, I mean, that's, that is the nature of it. And, and, and I did absolutely make things more difficult for myself and i know i'm speaking vaguely i just don't want to ruin the game you know or, or that particular choice oh, yeah. for anybody um but uh it is late in the game and, and and i went on a walkthrough and kind of read about it and they said if you do not do this you will lose characters i was like shit <laughs> so and there's nothing i could do so it's too late anyway but uh man it's a very thought-provoking game you know there's there are obviously a ton of parallels um, it is so, I mean, especially in, in, in any country at this point, but this country in particular, there, there are a lot of touchstones in this. There are a lot of, there are a lot of themes that are running through society that have kind of always been there. Uh, but you know, it's still relevant today, I guess is the point, uh, with civil rights. I mean, it's, it is a, it's definitely bringing, it brings a lot of things to light, uh, and it just one of the things that I've always thought that sci-fi has done well is discourse, especially civil discourse. You know, because you can take like Star Wars or Star Trek uh, is probably more accurate, and you can have these aliens, and aliens could substitute for minorities or it could substitute for anything, and you can use that as as kind of like your medium to teach lessons or to put people in predicaments that are happening yeah. that mirror society um, and, you know, and teach lessons that way. And I've always thought that that was, you know, one of the coolest things about science fiction was that you could do stuff like that and it, and it not be inflammatory to any particular, you know, culture because you're doing it with aliens, but the themes are the same nonetheless. And so you're seeing that in this game with androids and humans and, and the fact that androids are sentient and they're alive, they have emotions and feelings, 
and humans grappling with that. Also, humans having to deal with, uh, you know, an increased unemployment because these androids are taking their jobs. Um, and so there's a lot of civil unrest. You have religious leaders speaking out against these artificial intelligence beings, uh, you know, as unholy and that they need to be, uh, you know, they need to be abolished and destroyed, you know. And, and so there's there are just a lot of really interesting topics uh, that, that this game brings up. And uh, so anyway, at the end, I end up getting one of the better endings, I think. But I thought what what was really cool about this game is when you go through and you finish a chapter, it will give you a readout. It'll give you a readout or like a, a flow chart of your decisions and how they branch out. And you can really see, and I know I brought this up last time, you can really see how uh, how much work was put into each of the decisions having a domino effect and how you could easily branch off into a different direction if you just right. make this particular choice. And so... One of the one of the cool things is you can look at your friends' choices and see what percentage of your friends made a particular choice, and you can also look at the at worldwide how many people playing this game on PlayStation have made these choices. Right. And uh, one of the things that was really encouraging is the humanitarian choices, like the choices that you could make that would either save someone or that uh, were altruistic, helping people. Those decisions, by and large, in my playthrough, as I was looking through on, on the on the flowchart, the humanitarian choices were, by and large, the dominant, most popular choices on the game. I'm talking about like 70% of the population made those choices, which I thought was a good reflection on people in general, that you didn't just have a bunch of assholes that were killing people or just, you know, gratuitously, uh, you know, playing through it. Um, like a sociopath or you know they if when 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 the question was proposed to do what seems to be I would say almost objectively good versus what would be selfish or self-serving the majority of the people chose you know the 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 humanitarian answer and I thought that was just pretty cool to see uh, if nothing else reassuring you know um, but you I have more faith in humanity. Now. I have a little bit. It is it is restored to a degree. Anyways. It's not at zero. So no, that's good. I I've always thought that sci-fi is a good medium for social commentary. I mean, I since I started working at this job I'm working at so a year now, it's given me such a long commute that I am about to finish the last and final Star Trek series in its entirety, and I feel like wow. I've covered a lot of different um topics like some some of them are ones that you don't even think about like your own preconceptions there was an episode that i watched recently on the enterprise franchise and it was uh they brought these like slave women onto the ship from the orion syndicate and you know they thought that they were being charitable and you know no you have your freedom now and blah 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 you know being magnanimous and whatever, it turns out the Orion women run the syndicate. Like, they're the ones in charge. And then it makes you think about the fact that you were so willing to accept slave women as a concept. And, you know, it never occurred to you that they could be a threat and running the organization. You know, it, right. it just didn't occur to you. So, you know, it, that's an interesting social commentary in and of itself, you know? So I think, right. I think you're right. I think, I think sci-fi and games as well, uh, give you an opportunity to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it, and it gives you an opportunity to have some agency over that and make decisions and then see realistic consequences. I mean, games nowadays are so much more realistic and in the consequences as well that, you know, I feel like it gives your decisions gravity. And we've brought that up on the show many times. Um, that that's kind of what makes some of these games so special and art pieces in and of themselves is that you make these decisions and they seem to have gravity and they give they have emotional impact uh, and and carry themes uh, you know that that are still relevant today so yeah pretty pretty cool so it's a good game I finished it I'm not gonna play back through it uh, I feel like I got what I wanted but there's I think I, I may have mentioned this as well but it, I think it bears repeating Chloe is the character that 
they originally released a kind of a, a dev video of of the technology that they were using to create this game, and and they uh, they showed piecing together this Android, and then they showed you as it as it came to life more or less as it as it became sentient and it was uh you know that it, it says i'm alive and then i think it basically it, from there they went to destroy it well they changed uh the outcome of that particular video and that video is called it's named chloe and chloe ends up being your host for uh detroit become human so when you log in that's the face you see she introduces herself she kind of tells you about the menu when you log back in later after you've played it for a while, she actually gives you uh, a survey. And so you have to answer the survey questions, uh, and, and it says something about you. Also, those survey questions are tracked, and so everybody that's played the game also has answered these questions. So it gives you a percentage of who answered which question and what was their answer. Anyway. Right. Chloe's also a, a character in the game, and there's a decision that you have to make later in the game that affects Chloe. There are many Chloe's, but Chloe is is a character that you interact with in the game. At the end of the game, Chloe has a interaction with you as well. Based on how you played the game, she will have a certain dialogue with you. So for me, she looks at you and she's so incredibly realistic. I mean, it's we are we are much farther from the Uncanny Valley. I mean, there is no comparison between what they did in in this game. And just the utter trash from Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, it is, it's <laughs> not even close. I mean, it's like as long as their mouths didn't move in Andromeda, it wasn't that bad. But I'm talking about hyper-realism uh, to the point where it's like, I, I know this is digital, but you could see contours on the face. Their mouths moved realistically. And when I saw her at the end of the game... I could I could tell she was having trouble formulating a thought. It wasn't like it was a glitch. It was like I'm looking at someone who's trying to say something and can't find the words. Which wow. is really hard to convey in a digital format, I would think, you know. So I mean it was it was I was taken aback. I'm sitting there, I'm playing it at like two in the morning and I'm watching this giant android face look at me like they can't speak and they don't know what to say, and then finally they come out with what they were trying to say. And they asked me for their freedom. They said, I want to go find out who I am. I, you have shown me something in myself. And then when you let her go, she's just gone. <laughs> she's no longer on your screen anymore. And she never comes back when you reboot the game. Oh. Yeah. She's, just, she's just gone. And you're like, oh. oh. Peace. Yeah, peace. Yeah. So I hope Chloe's doing well out there finding herself. And, uh <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I've been playing that. I also wanted to do a little bit of an impression on, or give a little bit of an impression. I will not do one, but I will give one on Mario Tennis. Um, I have really enjoyed it, uh, but there I do have a one giant issue with the game. There is a there is a, a single player mode, which has a lot of mechanics, a lot of a lot of gameplay elements from like Super Mario World. You know, where you go from dot to dot, and at each dot, there's something for you to do. You've got world bosses or um, or level bosses. and I mean, um, I don't know. I you've, never, don't you've never played Super Nintendo? Like, I have, but I haven't played Mario World. I, I played oh Super God. Mario, I think, 2 or 3, and that was it. Well, that was on Nintendo. We're yeah, not coming well, to you I'm for old. any Nintendo no. information. Everyone knows this. So, um, yeah. yeah. Don't come to me for an Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Well, on that game, that's that's more or less anybody listening, you would know that as well. Well, one of the issues that I have with this game is it seems like a lot of it seems like almost like this mode was shoehorned in that it was it's it's meant as a almost a tech demo. It's more than just a training sim teaching you how to play the game. It does do those things. But there are some parts of it that just are not fun, and and like I'm I'm I actually am still on the first boss. Uh, you beat Drybones, um, who's just a Koopa skeleton essentially, 
Um, and and most of the bosses you play suck. They're terrible. I mean, you you can you beat them really easily. But then the tech part of it, where I'm actually learning how I have to demonstrate some skills, is is clunky and 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 not exactly clear and and just and just unfun. So uh, it's a fun game if you're playing with people. The single player is garbage. So. Now the multiplayer. So you're actually saying go buy the direct debit five thousand? Am I hearing that correctly? No, you're not. You you are not. I'm I am saying that this one uh-huh. particular mode is trash. That uh, I am I still have yet to try the online portion of it, which I would like to uh, play people online, which you can, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing. To testing my metal and seeing if I am really as good as I know I am in my head. Uh, so. And I'll probably get destroyed and get my ass handed to me, but we'll see. And there's only one way to find out. Um, and then lastly, uh, I know this is a lot of gaming, but like I said, I've been playing a lot. Um, August 14th, you know, uh, Battle for Azeroth is coming out on World of Warcraft, and so I'm trying to finish all of my achievements for Legion, which was the last expansion. Uh, they did this thing where they have some, some quests leading up to the next expansion, and uh, they kind of explain what's happening to your to your character. There's a big plot development where your your uh, your weapon, which is a relic, uh, it's for every race there is a there is a relic weapon. Like for mine, I'm a shaman, and the doomhammer is like that's what Thrall used. That that was like that's like the iconic weapon for shaman. Well, you get it in Legion, and it gets imbued with all this power. Well, the world gets stabbed with a sword from a titan. I know. I feel like I'm having word salad. Like I'm just saying things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This You're is like, the gist so of it. Listen to this pitch, right? Right. There's Stay with demon, me now. Right. Stay and with he's me. got a giant sword. And he's and giant he sword. He's going to stab the earth, and he's going to stab the, the planet. The planet is going to start bleeding. But it's going to turn into rocks, and you're going to mine it. Now, hold on. I'm not done. Um, basically, it's it's poisoning the planet. You take the poison into your weapon. The, that makes your weapon also very powerful. And so right now, as you go around Azeroth, you're a lot more powerful. And so it's really easy to kill mobs and, uh, and to get some of these achievements that maybe you were having a hard time getting or just hadn't gotten yet. And so I'm going around. Trying to get them all. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. It's so much fun because you're you're OP right now, and so um, and plus I'm actually have the time to sit down or I have lately and do some of the content that I had missed, and some of it is just a lot of fun. I'm also trying to get some of the mounts that are a little harder that you do have to grind a little bit for, um, just just because uh, you know I I hadn't gotten to it yet, but it's been a lot of fun. And I know it's going to end soon, uh, but especially leading up to um, leading up to Battle for Azeroth. So that's August 14th, and uh, and that's been fun. But that's what I've been playing, which admittedly is a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you played a lot because all I did was play that one game with my brother. I haven't been able to play Fortnite Playground yet. That's on the list. Well, I saw something where uh, some players had built. A true pyramid um, in playground, and it looked awesome. So that's amazing. Yeah, the, I think the playground mode is uh, very popular to say the least. It's like Minecraft, but like you know, less tedious. But what? <laughs> less tedious. Because you get tedious. like loads of materials like right off the bat. Yeah. Like around. So you can kind of just get going, and it's only an hour. So you have to be—you have an hour. Be creative. That's it. That's very true. It also sounds like you're—you are being smothered with a pillow. Well, that's because I am being smothered with a pillow. I'm sorry. There was there was many ciders involved <laughs> in the England victory. Yes. I needed to drink many ciders, otherwise I wouldn't have won. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you contributed to your team. <laughs> yes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any game news? I have a little bit, so but I didn't know if there was any gaming news that you uh, you had wished to share. 
I, the only game news I have is that the Fortnite Playground game is now live. So yes, it is. If you haven't had a chance, go play it because it was delayed for a while. Yes, it was. It was delayed, and now it's super popular. And I have a feeling we're going to see it. I know. I, I know it's temporary, uh, but it, I think it's going to come back uh, intermittently. So that's pretty cool. Well, I found out a few things. Uh, saw some news that I thought you might be interested in. Number one. Uh, originally uh, reported on Twinfinite, Witcher is coming out with a tabletop RPG. Um, mm. They are also releasing uh, a DLC which allows you to create a Witcher. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and in other Witcher news, right now on GOG, you can actually get the definitive edition, I think, of the original Witcher game for free. So if you want what? any of those things, uh, you could go uh, get that right now. And I believe I'm not sure oh. that the tabletop game is out yet. I, I believe it is being it is in development. Um, the uh, oh, interesting. Um, Guild Wars Two. Now, have you ever? Do you have any experience with this MMO? Yeah, I've, I've played quite a bit of Guild Wars 2 when it first came out. It's uh, I I actually have a lot of respect for this. It's been it's been around for a long time. It looked like a really good game. I just haven't played it. Um, I, yeah, it's I, good. I, yeah, I, that's what I it's heard. It's very action. That's what I heard. I mean, it's very different than Warcraft. Uh, obviously, there's similarities, but I mean, it, it goes in a different direction, like you said, a little bit more action. Well, I don't know if you heard, but there were two of their writers that were fired after kind of blowing up on Twitter. What were Did they you... blowing up about? Okay, well, essentially, I believe there was, uh, if I'm IGN reported this and a number of other sites have reported this, that... Uh, these two writers, there was a there was a woman, a female, and a male writer. Um, a female writer posted something from the from a maybe a Reddit um, thread, and and it was describing you know how difficult it is to write you know complex characters in an MMO. Valid, I could see that being difficult. I think it'd probably be difficult to write a complex character in any. RPG, you know, and, and that's just difficult to do. Well, a commenter on Twitter said something to the effect of, again, I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, that, you know, it would help if you allowed for uh, dialogue trees and options for the character to to kind of, to be created and to be nuanced, you know, so that would give them the opportunity to to help make a complex character with the questions and answers and, you know, the having an effect for, uh, you know, the dialogue that you choose. And then right. the, the developer, the writer, fires back with an incredibly condescending, like, you know, thanks, you know, you, you know, you telling, thanks for telling me how to do my job, essentially. And I mean, it was, it was, I read it and then I read it again and I read it multiple times and I was like, man, this really seems unnecessarily rude for the comment, you know? And I realized that in, in text, it's difficult to tell tone. I mean, that's the most difficult part of text communication is telling whether or not somebody's upset or not upset or, you know, what they mean by something. You can't infer anything. You can only go by what is written on the page or on the tweet. And from what I saw in the original question, uh, to the writer was not rude. Uh, it was they even thanked the writer uh, for the work that they do and their time and so on and so forth. Uh, and then the writer fires back something incredibly rude, and then and and, and think fires back more than once. Um, wow. And then one of her, it was a it was a female, one of her colleagues comes to her defense to defend her as well and the female colleague that the original writer that was firing the rude tweets comes out with a feminist argument about how a man is coming to tell her how to do a woman's job or her job 
Um, it was it was just a it was anyway they're fired. Uh, the two writers were fired uh, for their uh, for their participation. Yeah, their right. participation in that. Um, anyway, I, I saw it, I read it, I tried to be as objective as possible. And I was like, man, this just doesn't seem like the right spot for this argument from her, and it definitely didn't seem like the right response to this guy's comment. You know. Because he was trying to be constructive and he was being, he wasn't being disrespectful. He actually was being respectful and thanked them for what they do. Yeah. So it just, I don't, I'm not sure where they came from or like if they were having a bad day or whatever, but it just goes to show you that Twitter can have an effect. And if you come at somebody wrong, man, it could affect your job. So. It's an extreme reaction, but. I feel like a lot of people are very quick to call foul these days, like to get butthurt over things that don't, you know. Right. And that goes both not. ways, as this as this uh, particular example show. I mean, it can go, you know, it can go either way or many ways. And so from a developer who becomes overly defensive about, you know, unnecessarily to fans and this is typically where it is fans becoming overly defensive over property that's not theirs uh, over ideas that they didn't have on what things should be you know so uh, but usually there isn't much recourse for that other than deleting them you know uh, or, or blocking them or whatever in this instance I mean they actually lost their jobs so interesting just interesting the way things go um the last bit of news I want to talk about was Anthem, which is Bioware's next big uh, title, which looks to have some, you know, multiplayer, almost like Destiny to a degree. I mean, it's more than Destiny. It's it's a combination Dragon Age, by, uh, Mass Effect. Um, there are elements from all of their games in this game. Uh, but it's caught a lot of flack, and I think it has to do with EA and, and, and loot boxes in general um, and any kind of pay to pay to play pay to win uh, mechanics that we've seen you know lately in games and uh, Bioware has come out and I'm a huge fan of Bioware you know I, I, I hate what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda I mean I'm, I'm a fan of Mass Effect I still own the game I haven't finished it um, but you know, I've read all the books. Anyway, I have hopes for Anthem, and I hope that it's going to do well. They came out and said that there will be no loot boxes, not one loot box in this game. There will be cosmetic um, additions that you can pay for, but nothing that will affect game mechanics forever. They said there will be forever no loot boxes in this particular game. Um so. Bioware is not really into loot boxes, so I feel like right. that's probably a bit of an empty statement because that's generally just not how they make their games. I mean, think of one Bioware game with a loot box in it. I can't. Right, but I think I think the issue was with the negative, the backlash against Mass Effect Andromeda, the fact EA appears to hold the reins there at Bioware, or at least has some sway, that maybe this negative impact of loot boxes and, and EA's stance on loot boxes in their games from Battle Battlefront to FIFA, uh, that it may trickle down into, you know, one of the most respected game developers. Uh, and I think they wanted to get out in front of it. It may be empty, and I'd agree with you there. I don't I don't think that there was a risk, but I mean there isn't in, until there is. You know, and and I'm glad that they got out in front of it at least and said, hey, there's not going to be any here, because Anthem's been—I don't know if you followed it much—but the negative press has been snowballing with this particular game, and I'm not well, sure. Well, their demos were boring. That may be what it is. Also, I think the demo didn't—you didn't do anything. You didn't learn anything. There wasn't much to what you were doing, and to me, it felt like an even emptier version of Destiny, which to me. If you're not playing with anybody, is super boring and super empty. You know? Oh yeah. Um, 
I, I just didn't enjoy it. But again, I also don't have a vast, uh, vast amount of time to spend online with friends in those games. You know, I, I say that playing Warcraft. But when I play Warcraft, it's usually when the baby's asleep or at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, that's not the peak times for the server. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, that's gaming news, which brings us to our main topic, which I wanted to discuss the future or future consoles and then gaming as a service, at least from a this from a preliminary perspective. Gaming as a service is being thrown around a lot. Uh, there are a few major game developers that think that gaming as a service is going to be the future, and one in particular, and this segues nice into this topic, is Google is actually rumored uh, to join the fray, and so they're going to jump in here with the rest of the, the companies, um, and this was uh, originally reported by Kotaku, that Google is going, or is at least it's been leaked, that they're going to come into the fray with a gaming box that has a Netflix-style uh, gaming service. So basically, you stream yeah. your games, and it will be exclusive, uh, or maybe not necessarily. There may be exclusives there, but uh, it's the idea is, and so far, what we know is this particular gaming console will strictly stream. Right. Um, and and uh, which I thought was interesting, and that supposedly they have a number of developers online. I mean, basically. Nothing has to change for Google to do this. Um, I think that they kind of have the advantage right now in doing this and coming out with a, a console that only does this. Uh, I think that there are a lot of things that they don't necessarily have to worry about. But there are some cons to this as well. Um, we don't know anything about it. We're still speculating. So, uh, so my question to you, at least starting off, is what do you think about Google uh, coming out with a console and how do you think that they will fare, you know, in terms of competing with the other the other guys, the other big names out there, PlayStation and Xbox? Because Nintendo's really not competing against those two. Well, I think that they could really give them a run for their money. And I think it's more about the immersive experience. Because they have the Google Home and they know where you are, access to everything. They can kind of do more with push notifications. So, like, say, for example, you're playing a game that has a, um element in the background that gains value in real time. So, like, Fable, for example. Right. Where you're actually, like, earning income in real time. Your Google, Google on the phone is tracking your location. Google Maps would know when you're arriving home and it could serve a reminder to your phone or a voice reminder to Google Home saying like, hey, if you log in in 20 minutes, your town will, you know, have collected this much gold or whatever. So I think it will, they have the opportunity to prompt you more to game. I feel like they could also combine it with augmented reality in order to allow you to interact with the game when you're not at home. So, right. you know, some sort of combined Pokemon Go, Pokemon game scenario. So you can unlock more of the map by interacting in the real world or unlock, you know, different facets of it. I think... Um, Streaming doesn't require lots of technology in the box itself, so it'll not take up very much space. It could essentially be Chromecast for games. Right. So I think they could get in quite quickly, and if they have some compelling titles behind them with interesting like multi-platform experiences, they could sweep it. You know, like, right. I think a lot of the criticism of other titles is that you know, at the end of the day, it's my opinion that um, playing with a controller is better than playing with pretty much any other media. Maybe mouse and keyboard if you're a diehard mouse and keyboard person or you like FPSs, but for general utility, I feel like a controller performs well. And 
so as long as they can bring out a console with a controller and they, they don't get too... Because the concern is, is that they're going to try to do something gimmicky with it. But if it's a console with a controller with a small form factor, it's really portable. You could take that console, if it's small enough, because it doesn't need to have a disc tray or anything. Right. If it's small enough, you could take that console with you, bung it into your friend's TV, if it connects, like, let's say, through HDMI or, or even USB. Then you could technically game anywhere with anybody. So, you know, I, I think that's quite exciting. I think if they learn from Alexa, they could also... Um, expand the amount of secondary products that you purchase um, because if they can combine the Google Home, combine Google Maps, combine you know what I mean? Like they have right. access to a lot of technology especially on the cloud. A ton of information and they can parlay that into you know multiple to multiple services with the game. I think I, I hadn't even actually thought about how portable it could be and and then you know I know we spoke about game uh, cloud gaming last week. One of the things that I thought about, kind of coming around, maybe even a, a full 180 on this, is if this is the future to some degree, where streaming games, digital gaming, uh, and cloud gaming are are going to be a, a staple of the future. Then how convenient would it be to be able to take essentially your console, your Google Chrome or whatever it is, your, your Google console, plug it into somebody else's. You're saving everything in a cloud so you don't have to have external drives. That keeps hardware costs down. That keeps space down. That everything is, for the most part, is digital. And as long as they have the Internet, and this is going to be the biggest downside to it, as long as they have the connection, you'll be able to stream gaming i think that this this helps streamline cross-platform gaming um you know fortnite to me has shown a window into the future in that you will be able to play across all of those platforms from nintendo to mobile to pc to xbox the same game and people competing with each other against each other it's just i think I don't think every game will be this way, and I don't think it'll ever be that way. I think we will have exclusives to some extent, or games that 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 you can't necessarily cross-platform play because they weren't designed to be multiplayer games. I but I do think that this opens the door for options that have never really been a possibility before, and I think that Google has an opportunity to be a real player in the console, the quote console wars. I think that if they go this route. Of you know not necess- not needing the disk drive or disk tray, not needing maybe even a lot of hardware in general. Um, that uh, it may they may actually I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll if it'll I don't know how to how to word it necessarily, but I mean just the idea that they could mess up what Xbox and PlayStation are. They they may be going in a particular direction, and Google may be going in a completely different direction light years ahead of where Xbox and PlayStation are, you know, um, because they thought about it differently. Instead of needing to be your Blu-ray player, your, you know, all, your one digital or your one hardware digital media center of attention for your, for your, uh, uh, your, your living room, that Google's not even trying to do that. They're just trying to, you know, they already kind of, Google is its, Google's a verb. Google is its own thing, yeah. You know, and and they're they're kind of, uh, you know, omnipresent in in, in in a lot of things. I mean, basically, they're attached or connected to everything. I mean, you don't even really think about the idea that you use Yelp, you're connected to Google Maps. You use any of the. I mean, there are so many services that are integrated that uh, to me, I think that they have a real shot. It's also kind of scary that it's such a good idea and they haven't thought about it yet you know or no one else yeah but i think they have the opportunity to bridge what i think is becoming a significant problem in gaming and that is people like you used to just call your friends you wouldn't like ask them first if they weren't doing anything and i feel like these days 
it's so uncommon to call someone full stop and you feel like you need to text them first and like, is it okay if I call? When can I call? You know, like all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, plans are made so far in advance and then, you know, just double checked and triple checked and whatever. And I feel like I've got a whole friends list of people and I don't ever just invite them to play a game because I fear of interrupting them. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a becoming more of a thing where you don't want to intrude on people Um, and I feel like Google, because they have access to, if you have a Gmail, your email, if you use Google maps, your location, like they would be able to put together a pretty clear picture of all the people that, you know, and if they could, um, create like, um, your social group based matchmaking, then they could, really take what exists and make it something better. One thing that Pokemon Go did so well was make it accessible to talk to strangers. I know that sounds super weird, but think about before then and now after then. Now Pokemon Go is not so popular, but for a brief period of time, people with a common interest were just talking to each other. Right. And Well, it, it gave you a common interest, you know. Yeah, and that didn't happen. Like, think before and even think now. Like, if you're in a bar or whatever, how often do you actually talk to anybody else there? You really don't. You know what I mean? You just don't do it. And how many times do you message people who are online on your friends group and invite them to play a game? You just don't do it. Like, I really don't think... I think you're messaging people on like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp first, like, hey, you want to get on and play? And then they're like, oh, five minutes, ten minutes. You know what right, I mean? Right, Well, it's such a, it's not a, like even a convenient method, you know, to... are at the same time. Yeah. So I think if they could combine it with a friend group-based live matchmaking, because this is the one thing that I've never understood, yeah? yeah? They know who your friends are. Yeah, like, you've got a friends list. But never ever when you just join a game do they ever put you with your friends on your friends list. They expect you to coordinate a party in advance. Well, if they're your friends, are they really going to be mad that you're on their team? Like, you know what I mean? Why haven't they done this? Because I would find that less annoying than trying to coordinate a team all at once. Like, there's literally no reason why that couldn't be possible. And I think with Google, if they do come out with this console, they should take it that next step further to analyze all of your contacts, the places that you go frequently, you know what I mean? And put people together. I think that's really the end point of gaming. If you're, if more things are going to become multiplayer, they need to make it easier for you to interact with the people that you know. Why not? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that would be the next step. Um, I would like to think that 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 they are aware of that <laughs> that they should go in that direction, and maybe Google will fix that. Um, but who knows? I'm excited uh, to hear more about it. I think that they're onto something. Um, again, we're speculating, so we have no idea if this is the direction that they're going. And if they're not, you heard it here. We figured it out, <laughs> um, and we're definitely going to do nothing about it and go drink something. So awesome. Well, taking that uh, again a step further, um, or or maybe maybe adjacent to it, uh, is gaming as a service. Now, the the idea of cloud gaming and the idea of streaming games. I mean, I do it. It's not my favorite. I still like to have as much agency over my games as possible. Um, but you know, in a post-apocalyptic world where you don't have electricity, I'm probably not worried about plugging in my Xbox. So I may not. It's probably not that big of a deal if having to stream my games uh, or download digital games. Um, it's really just storage where that becomes the issue. Uh, that said, this idea of gaming as a service or you know keeping constant updates. Uh, what are your thoughts just on that as a as a as a medium, uh, gaming games as a service? And because I have some, I have some definite cons. I mean, like for instance, and just to, to kind of open the the discussion, 
when you have a company that is providing a game as a service, it causes, or at least as my I understand it, I mean that that is going to divide your resources. Meaning, you know, you can't necessarily concentrate on anything else when you have people who are constantly required to update and maintain this particular service for a game. Is that correct? I mean, is that kind of how you understand it? Yeah, I'm. I just. It, if you're going to think of gaming as a service, I would compare it to the software as a service model where you purchase a piece of hardware, an existing build, and a subscription to access it. Yeah, it's right. usually billed monthly. You don't just buy it once. There's an implementation cost, and there's ongoing maintenance costs, and you get ongoing support and right. additional updates. So essentially, at your entry point, you buy the software as it is, and you pay a subscription to buy the software as it improves. Right. That's, Which, that's how it works in the real world with software as a service. So if you extrapolate that, then yes. Then there'd be development time at the front end, and then consistent development time and consistent cost to the consumer as well. Right. Because that's not free. Um, so it would be very much the MMO model that they would need to adopt or the Fortnite style battle pass model where the, the majority, the, the minority of people pay for the majority's entertainment. Yeah. Which if when done right, and if you just, sometimes you can do it right and just get in at the wrong time, but when done right, like Fortnite did, I mean, then that is, is an extremely lucrative option. Uh, it's interesting to see the differing opinions on this. Um, Ubisoft seems to think that this is the future. It makes sense, though, and I would think EA is right up their alley uh, on this idea that gaming as a service, it would make a whole lot more sense if you had a subscription to Madden or yeah. to you know, or to you know, NBA 2K or one of these games that has a yearly iteration that all they would need to do is update the rosters, and it's something that you pay for. And maybe you pay a one-time fee or whatever. Uh, I imagine that they will want to keep a subscription because that's more money. But also, in doing that, you can keep up servers. You can constantly update the stats, um, You know, as, especially if you're in season. Um, it seems to make sense for games like that. Uh, and the fact that they come out every year with a new Assassin's Creed um, you know, maybe maybe that's also something that uh, that they're interested in in a, applying this model to. But Bethesda and Todd Howard in particular um, has come out and said that single player is not dead. Uh, you know, I mean, even though you know this Fallout 76 is supposed to have a multiplayer aspect to it, um, but they've and they've come out with the mobile game. You know, I think you even played uh, Fallout Shelter. Um, yeah. and, and enjoy that. But he's come out to say that just because we have, we've applied this IP to these different genres doesn't mean that we're going away from the single player and single player's not dead and it's absolutely flourishing right now. You know, you just have to put the effort in. Um, I think, I think, uh, this Detroit Become Humans is one of those examples. This is a, a game that will make money. It's sold millions of copies, and it is a it is a single-player game. I mean, there's just no way around that. Now, you can compare your results to others in, in your friends' list or others around the world, but essentially it, it doesn't change the fact that it is a single-player experience. Uh, so I, I'm a, I completely agree with that. Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think the, the problem is, is we try to... We try to say it's either going to be this or that because I don't know if it's the human nature for us to have to categorize everything and make things make sense and it's either one thing or the other and that but you can't could be complicated. Make, you could make a single-player software-as-a-service model. So what? So along that vein, I think Telltale would be a perfect company to make a single-player gaming-as-a-service model where it functions much like a TV show, and TV shows run for years and years and years. Some of them have been going for 20, 30 years. Right. Um, you know, you could release it as episodic content. And, you know, Telltale games are not multiplayer. It doesn't have to be. Right. It's just about, you know, um, the, the resources and, and things like that. Yeah, but I think it would be much more lucrative 
for t- Telltale to do a cloud-based gaming as a service single player experience because they could they would not need to have any boxes any packaging any dig- any discs any of that yeah they you know, to um, spend a lot of money on distribution they wouldn't have those overhead costs and they could just spend the money on writers to churn out episodic content you could get a new one released every week why not if you've yeah. got a big enough team and you know, let's say you purchased the Walking Dead Telltale subscription, and so every week you get a new episode released to you, ad infinitum for the life of the service. Tell me you wouldn't buy that. Right. Absolutely. Would. Yeah. I would. Oh yeah, yeah, and with each each of the episodes being about five bucks or something like that, I think, um, or each of the chapters. I'm trying to remember. Is it chapters or episodes? I can't remember. Um, regardless, it's, it's as, as the story is being released, um, you normally get one section, one, two hour block of content with each one of the stories or each one of the, the games, um, for about five bucks. I think it's like four ninety nine. If you want the entire experience, it's usually nineteen ninety nine. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I completely see that. I, I don't know the, the model that they'd use, but I could definitely see that being a, an option, uh, for a company like that. I guess what I, I guess what I would like, to, I want to look at all of these things critically, and I think that any consumer should. You'd like to think that, like Bethesda, that the company has the, the consumer's best interest in mind. They're trying to make the best product possible, uh, and, and maximize you know, they have to make money too. I think anybody understands that, uh, but but their focus is on making a good product that the that the player enjoys. You know. Um, so that said, I just think I think that uh, all of these are have there are there are there's a good application for it. You know, I think there's a good application for gaming as a service. I think there's a good application for uh, cloud gaming and 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 uh you know and streaming games uh and streaming services i think when you put the consumer at least close to first <laughs> i think what ends up happening is you come out with a a service that works you have uh content that the consumer enjoys and in the end the provider is rewarded and it doesn't seem like that's a difficult equation to figure out um, it's when these, it's when the providers get greedy, or uh, you know they they want to withhold services be, and and charge you a premium uh, for stuff that has been originally given to you at you know at the original price. I think that you that uh, their backlash is 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 uh, warranted. I would even say. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the one good thing that cloud gaming would do is it would stop the incessant update wait time. Because with Fortnite, literally every time I load the thing up, because I only get to play like once a week, there's always a 20-minute update beforehand. I don't think they've they've gotten background downloading nailed because it only applies to console updates. They need to apply it to installed games as well, and they don't. So at least cloud gaming means that when you're ready to play, you should just be able to play, which is what I'm looking for too. Because yeah. this download thing is getting extreme. <laughs> well, I know the Blizzard downloader, um, or Blizzard has this more or less down. Um, if you have the downloader and, and all of your games are in one spot, when you open it up, it will pull up all of your Blizzard games, including uh, Destiny's on there, For I, I guess because EA uh, is, is associated uh, as the parent company. But... Uh, of Blizzard Activision, I believe, if, that, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, regardless, there is a background downloader, and you can see it. So that way, whenever you go to log on, generally speaking, as long as you've had the downloader up, uh, it constantly downloads. I think it's like a hundred kilobytes a sec, a hundred kilobytes a second, yeah. or something like that. So it's really low, but it, it's constant, you know. And so by the time you want to play, and it, and it starts downloading well before. The actual patch goes into effect, so it's it's downloading a little bit at a time, uh, so that when the patch actually goes live, you know you have minimal downtime as it applies and installs. It. So, 
No, I, I agree. I, I think that the negatives are, you know, the divided resources, that it's going to be difficult for companies when doing uh, gaming as a service to move on to sequels and new IPs. Uh, so you won't have a whole lot of necessarily a whole lot of diversity, or it could decrease the amount of diversity in gaming that we have. Uh, but it will decrease costs, and maybe that'll be passed on to the consumer, uh, and we can play more games and make it make it a little bit more convenient. So, final thoughts. I wasn't ready for final thoughts. No, final <laughs> thoughts is I. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Uh, no, my final thoughts are is that I think that with a company whose motto is "Do no evil," you might stand a chance of actually having a good console. So right. if it is true and this is what they're building and it's affordable and accessible, like I really don't think that they should be charging much money. I think they should be focusing on getting one into every household. Because the Alexas and Google Homes, they're only like 40 bucks. You know, they're, they're very accessible price points. So if they could make a console that was like 100, 120 bucks with streams, I might buy it. Absolutely. Yeah, I would. I think the same. Um, I'm going to keep my eyes on this. We'll uh, keep you guys updated um, as we learn more. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion while she brushes her teeth. All these notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templateofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or just reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templateofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and please subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.